Okay, so uh, welcome back to Kids These Days. I am Dr. Beth Trammell, your host here, and I am a licensed psychologist and I focus on helping kids and families uh, in a variety of different ways. And today I have a very special guest with me and I'm so excited about this. <laughs> and people who listen to the podcast, they're sort of like, I'm pretty much over Beth being excited about every episode <laughs> because I basically start every episode with, I'm so excited about today, but I really am excited every time. So awesome. anyway, um, Bria Zalman is here uh, with me today um, to talk about some really interesting things that both of us um, have been thinking about in relation to an article that was put out by BBC. But before we get there, Bria, thank you for being here. Um, tell us just a little bit about you. And I always tell every guest, share one fun fact uh, about you for our listeners. Okay. Um, well, my name is Bria Zolman. Uh, I am a longtime Muncie resident. Uh, moved here for college, got an education degree, stayed uh, for the last 20 years, and I'm raising a family. I have two kids. Um, and a uh, fun fact, I don't know how fun this is, um, but I work <laughs> at uh, Ball State and I have a real passion and heart for uh, youth who experience foster care. And that is um, the focus of my work right now. Um, and I, as a, it is a fun fact because I think it's incredible work. So uh, yeah, so that's me. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. And I, I think that's a fun fact and um, <laughs> it really is such a needed thing. Um, I think right now, but always. Yeah, absolutely. There, I don't know that the general public understands the number of uh, youth who are affected by the foster care system, and even the larger number of youth who fly under the DCS mm -hmm. radar, but are being raised in families with compromised systems of support. So yeah, I love what I do. I am really passionate about uh, the work and just being a part of bringing redemption into the lives of young people. And yeah, so I'm excited to talk about this too, because um, this relates more to marriages and families. Um, but I could we could go all day. Let's do it. <laughs> I know, you know, what's funny as I'm, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm like, well, that's going to be our next episode to talk about. I mean, <laughs> foster care and yeah, helping the general public know how they can help. But okay, <laughs> for real though, that's, that's actually really, uh, that's an episode on its own. So, all right. So this sort of conversation was prompted by an article written by Melissa Hagenboom, um, May 18th, 2021 on uh, the BBC's website called The Hidden Load how, quote, thinking about everything holds mums back. And I posted this on social media, um, frankly, more for just me personally, uh, but for other moms who I've heard, talked to, been around, who have this overwhelming fatigue, right? We just are tired, we're exhausted, we're overwhelmed. And, and one of the parts that really stood out to me was uh, when they sort of broke down how um, this invisible load, this cognitive labor where we're thinking about the elements of the household responsibility, organizing playdates, shopping, planning activities. We have the emotional labor of maintaining the family's emotion and calming people down when 
they're losing their crap in the, li the living room floor. Um, and then the mental load of sort of prepping, organizing, anticipating everything. And for me, it just really resonated on all three fronts that I feel the weight of that invisible load uh, very tremendously. And it struck me in this way that, you know, it's not really fair to me or to my spouse that I carry this invisible load because I feel heavy, but frankly, he doesn't know. I mean, that was the thing that struck me. And, and as we kind of talk about this a little bit more, um, I want to hear your perspective because you shared kind of a perspective where it seemed like you have had, yeah, some experience in, in talking out loud about these things or um, sharing more about these things. So tell me how you maybe initially reacted to this article or maybe how you have evolved into where you are with this, um, this whole issue, Bria. Yeah, um, I'd be happy to do that. Um, when I originally commented, of course, there was just a whole thread of women saying, yes, I connect with this. Yes, um, this is my life. Um, I didn't know how to say this before. And I had seen uh, several iterations of this article in the past couple of years, um, and maybe even beyond that. And when I first read it, I, th I was in that same space of like, oh my gosh, yes, this is what my husband does not understand. Um, this is what I don't have words to say about um, the stressors and the weight that is carried in our daily, in my daily life. Yeah. So empathizing with all the people responding like, yes, yes. Um, but what I discovered is maybe the third or fourth time that I read an iteration of that article was that like, when I thought about my life, I thought, you know what? I don't think that that's true for me anymore. Like something shifted in my home and in my marriage. Um, and so now when I read that article, I think I can't make that claim anymore. Like my spouse is amazing. He's killing it. He has stepped up in ways that um, I never anticipated and that have really positively uh, affected my life and my enjoyment of my own life. And so I commented in hopes of giving other people hope that there, there, there can be growth in this area. Um, and so I'd be happy to share at least some of my own reflections about what kind of sparked that in my home. And hopefully that it's only my own personal experience. It's not universal. Um, so I will definitely give that disclaimer, but I'll be happy to share. Yeah. I love that. I can't wait to hear sort of how you you got to that point. And you reminded me that I think it's important that we both acknowledge, because we kind of chatted before we started this episode, that we don't want this episode to come off like we are man-hating or gender stereotyping there. Um, this article talks specifically about the, the weight for women. But I think if um, that role may be switched in your, in your marriage, in your partnership with uh, with your partner. And so don't hear sort of man hating here or hopelessness here, because I think what you're saying, Bria is very true that for me, the, the most important part of this article is the invisibility of the load. Mm -hmm. And when we make invisible things visible, that's when, that's when good things can happen. It's just a matter of realizing they're invisible, which is kind of the awareness that I think a lot of 
of folks are, are experiencing now. And it sounds like you experienced some time ago. Yes. You realized it was invisible. And now what you've done, I I think what you're going to tell us (laughs) you've done is you've made that invisible load visible to the people around you. So talk Mm -hmm. to us about how you did that and, and, and kind of how people around you reacted. Sure. Um, so a little backstory and, um, I'll, I'm a person who loves to be honest and vulnerable, but uh, will try to be concise and appropriate for a podcast. So um, what I will say is that I married very young um, and I, uh, in our marriage, we were very young, very immature. And I would say a good summary would be that we had a decade of troubled marriage. Um, But in the midst of that troubled marriage, we birthed two amazing children. Um, I was a stay-at-home mom at that time, and I will say that we (laughs) both went through a lot of therapy individually and together during that time, Um, but one of the game changers for this for me was that I think when you're young and you're be, you're moving into adulthood, you're entering into a partnership that you don't know. Nobody gave you a training manual on how to be a spouse or how to be a mom. Like I saw a meme last week that said, like what your kids don't realize is that they're watching their parents grow up too. Yeah. Um, and that really resonated with me yeah. um, because I feel like all of my twenties was giving myself like the time and the space and the therapy that was needed to like process and work through kind of the collective pains of my life up until that point, uh, figure out who I was, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, gain some self-awareness, gain some self-worth because I don't know, I, the result of many factors in my life, I entered my late twenties really defeated, like Mm -hmm. in a very poor mental state of mental health in a very unhappy relationship, not feeling like my identity had been squashed under the weight of motherhood and uh, troubles in our home. And so it took years, like just years of painstakingly working through like, who am I? Mm. What value do I get to have? What space do I get to take up here in my world? Some of that was actually like personality type. Those became a big spot for me at times. Um, And one of the turning points, I think, in in my specific relationship was that somewhere along that timeline, I realized uh, in Myers-Briggs that my husband, I always thought that my husband and I were like polar opposites and because in some ways we are. But when I was investigating Myers-Briggs, I realized that we actually have identical Myers-Briggs personality types. However, I felt the burden to compensate for the areas in which he was extreme by taking on the counter characteristics, which were not true to who I am innately, who mm-hmm. I believe God created me to be and live out in my, in freedom. And so when I realized, like, what am I doing? Like, he wasn't making me do those things, but whatever was inside of me that felt like it needed to balance there was taking on all sorts of roles that were not leaning into what my own personal, like, skill set and abilities were, or even desires. Um, And so when I realized that, I kind of just decided to stop doing that. Why do I have to be the one that does the things neither one of us wants to do, you know, (laughs) like, um, and I don't. And he, like I said, nobody uh, was making me do that. 
And so I just started one part of it, I think was embracing the fact that we were, we were both like two people who prefer to be disorganized and spontaneous married each other. Okay. Like it's okay. Like we don't have to have this perfectly organized life. We are home and, and marriage doesn't have to look like someone else who is um, really concerned with some of those things. And so I think it, it required letting go of the desire to that sense of like, we can do it all. We can have it all. We can be it all. It's like, no, this is who I am. So I'm not going to have to try to be this other thing. Oh my um, gosh. Okay. <laughs> so I, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm like, first, I'm so thankful for your vulnerability and coming to share in, in such a vulnerable way and such a very real way. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've said, you've said a couple of things that already I'm like, yes, I need people to hear that again. <laughs> right. That, <laughs> that first, no one made you do those extra things. He yeah, didn't no. ask you, he didn't tell you, you felt this inherent, like, oh, I should do this because mm-hmm. I think it's going to make him happy or I think it's going to make us better or, or whatever the thought process was. I right. think lots of us might feel some of that or, or in fact, do a lot of that mm-hmm. for different reasons because we, we get this some sort of perception that that's what we should do. Mm-hmm. We know on some level that it's not good for us or, or our, our relationship, whatever that relationship looks like. And yet we continue. And, and sometimes, sometimes we do almost in, in sort of this like martyr kind of way, you know, it's like, well, Mm -hmm. yeah, that actually leads really well into what I was thinking of sharing next. Um, I actually had a name for this martyr thing that I did in early in our marriage. Um, I called it the, who has it worse game. Um, Oh yeah. Okay. This is, let's talk about um, this. Yeah. So I spent a lot of emotional energy feeling really angry um, and not being able to, not being able to, it was under the weight of that burden of like, I'm angry about my state in life. I'm unhappy. So what I would do was in my head, just repeat all the reasons why I felt like I had it worse in our marriage. I had it worse at this. I had to do this. I had to do that. You're off doing this thing and I'm doing this. And I, and we would have these arguments where I would be confronting him about, these are all the reasons why I have it worse essentially in this life. Um, And I think there are times where you do need to stand up and, and, and speak like empowerment. But I really realized that like playing that who has it worse game is almost never helpful Um, like we both have really hard things in our lives and we both largely feel unseen for what we're doing. And so what I felt like at that time where the way that we made growth was that like one person at a time, it cannot be, you cannot be pitted against each other. One person at a time, you can address the specific situations and honor one another's feelings but you have to avoid pitting them against each other because you'll never, no one ever wins that game. No one ever has it worse. You both have, it's hard. Like life is hard. Parenting is hard. Marriage is hard. Um, And so kind of trying to let go of that uh, hill I wanted to die on felt important. (laughs) 
Yeah. So. I mean, I am, I am like sort of just resonating so deeply with this idea of keeping score. You know, I talk with right. clients a lot about keeping score with their partner or their spouse and saying, well, I, I did this and this and this, and you, you only did this or that. Right. And mm -hmm. to your point, it never, it never, ever works out. And I remember, I remember some moments with my spouse where he is also super amazing in every way. And everyone who knows him loves him. And I love him more than all of you put together. <laughs> but <laughs> I remember moments where it's like, I'm working really hard and he's working really hard. And yet I still feel like it, it's not working. Right. right. So it's mm -hmm. like, I remember feeling almost trapped in some of my thought processes, including this sort of invisible load, even realizing he's also carrying a load, mm -hmm. but like we're working really hard. And then it still feels like, like our family's not working or our things aren't working. And so that, that feeling I know can be very real. And then to your point, keeping score isn't the answer, but, but bringing it up in, in a right. sort of coming together kind of way mm -hmm. could be. Right. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And I think that like, there's very real situations where people are in unbalanced, unhealthy relationships where mm -hmm. one spouse is carrying a lion's of the work and the other spouse is unable or unwilling to, to help. And, and I think that needs to be honored and acknowledged. But I think if you are coming at it from a perspective of I'm in a marriage where we're both seeking to be the best versions of ourselves, and we're both for the other person, then you can have faith that you can bring these things up in a non accusatory way yeah. and, and have it be received by your partner with gentleness, you know, and, and it may not go well the first time, you know, cause it is hard to explain invisible things. And, and so I, but I think you, you have to, you have to begin doing that. This next thing that I wanted to share sort of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about he wasn't stopping me from, from, he wasn't mm. forcing me to do these things. But I realized that like, at some point, if I felt like he was living a pretty fulfilling life and I really resented him for that. Yeah. Um, and I realized that nobody was stopping me from living a fulfilling life except for me. <laughs> like uh. I doing these things. Uh. Um, and so during that time, I found meaningful work that aligned with my desires for the roles for my roles in the home. Um, so for me personally, like when my my kids were babies, like I I needed to be home with them. Lots of other people need to be at work and other variations of that, but. Uh, for me, I needed to be home, but my desires uh, for meaningful work adjusted and it changed over time. And I allowed myself to lean into that. I also made choices to travel, uh, both for work and pleasure, instead of just being angry that he did those things, but I didn't. Um, I made time to go to the gym uh, sometimes um, instead oh. of being angry that he was going to the gym and I wasn't. Um, and every time... Um, yeah, I, every time I did something like that, where it's like, well, I'm just, I'm mad at you because I'm home with the kids and you're out at work or you're out at the gym. Like, well, who's telling me I can't go to the gym? You know, like I found that he was really happy to step up when I'm like, hey, can you be home? Because I'm going to go do this thing. 
he wanted, he wants me to live a life I'm enjoying too, you know, and he's a great dad. Like he wants to be with his kids too, you know? And so it was important for me to stop just being angry about the things he was doing and, and figure out what are the things that I want to be able to do and then do those things. I feel, um, I don't know why this feels like a cliche thing to share, but Girl, Wash Your Face was a meaningful book for me at that time. I feel like there was a chapter in there that really was in line with this. And then uh, Love Warrior by Glennon Doyle uh, was a really meaningful book for me at that time. Also, everything Brene Brown, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was reading a lot and kind of taking in those pieces of empowerment that really aided that growth. So I think, you know, what you said earlier, too, is is so important to reiterate here that, you know, if you're in a relationship that is uh, maybe not allowing you to take on some of these suggestions, then I think my recommendation would be to, to take a, take a second thought to approach a counselor, make time for yourself to, to seek someone else out, to see if this is the best relationship for you. Because I actually agree with you. Most of the folks that you know, I interact with just haven't even given their spouse a chance, you know, Mm -hmm. they just, they spend time in that angry zone of like, he's getting to do this. And I really want to, but you haven't told him that you want to, or, or brought up ways that we could make this work. We, you know, we don't give them an opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes when you get into this rut where, you know, oh my gosh, I'm carrying all of the load. And no one knows it and no one recognizes me for it. And it doesn't even feel glamorous. You know, there's no mm-hmm. glory in this you know, right. diaper changing, laundry loading right. sort of thing. You just sort of are like, fine, I'll just stay here. Wah, wah, wah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And Especially, you're not living your best life, right? Right. Uh, and I think that this ties, funny how all these things keep kind of, you know, going right ahead, because I think another thing that at least was a huge factor for me, and I don't know if this is true for most women, but I had to deal with my anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, That was huge in this effort for me, because I can want to do other things and understand that I'm not like living my best life. But when my anxiety tells me, yeah, but you, but what if this happens or what if that happens or what if this, then you don't do it anyways, you know? And so for me, having kids was the straw that broke the proverbial camel's back. Um, Like I had severe postpartum anxiety and Mm -hmm. that just combined with being wired as a person who is now um, comfortable enough in my own skin to say that I just don't love babies (laughs) or toddlers. Like I just felt crippled by that phase of life in so many Mm. ways, but I couldn't bear the stress of leaving my children Mm. and all that went into that. I was miserable not having a life or identity outside of my kids. And I believe that anxiety is a really crippling factor in the invisible workload for many women to having the emotional capacity to not need to control Mm. every aspect and preempt every possible struggle in the family's day to day can offer women incredible freedom from this load. And just as the article suggests, just not doing the things and finding out that your husband will actually do them or the world won't explode if your kid's science fair project isn't perfect or they don't wear the right t-shirt to the orthodontist or whatever. They don't have crazy socks for sock day. Like 
it's anxiety in some point that makes us feel like everything's going to fall apart if I don't do it. It's like, well, or it might just be fine and your house will be calmer and happier because you didn't feel like you had to control everything. Um. Oh, yeah. So everything you just said is a yes, a yes and a yes. And I think it was one of the things that I picked up from this too, uh, is this issue of control, right? Mm -hmm. That some folks driven by their anxiety tend to want to control other issues so that, you know, their anxiety doesn't spike. Mm -hmm. And I think to your point, this is also some comparison anxiety too, Mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, well, I go to my friend's house and their house is clean. And so if my friends come over and my house isn't spotless, then I must not be a good mom and I must not be a good wife and I must not be this or that or this. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I talk with folks a lot about tell me what's at the bulk of your load, right? So mm-hmm. what are the things that you carry? You know, it's doing the dishes before I go to bed. I want to make sure the house is clean before I go to bed. I want to make sure that my kids have their lunches packed and they have a grain and a vegetable and a you know, <laughs> fill in the blanks, right? Right. And when I stop to ask people almost to what you're describing here, right? I, I ask people to think about List out all of those things that you see as a, as a heavy load, right? Maybe you rank order them the heaviest to the lightest. I ask folks, like, if you didn't do mm-hmm. number three and number six and number seven, like, would the universe implode? Right. <laughs> because, you know, to what you're saying is right. like, much of this is our own pressure. Mm-hmm. So if we, if we start minimally, with just crossing those things off the list to say, I'm going to stop caring so much about those things. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to ask my spouse or partner, can you pick up this weight mm-hmm. of this? Can you be in charge of dinner on Tuesdays? Mm-hmm. Can you be in charge of shopping this week? Because I know that this week I have, you know, mm-hmm. a lot going on and then let go of the yeah. control of the shopping list. He might pay extra for the grapes per pound, but <laughs> it's, it's okay. okay right? <laughs> like letting go of that control when you pass off a task. Yes. Yes. That's so girl. good. That's so good. And this feels like a hard thing to kind of broach and I'll, I'll lean into your expertise here, but I think people who are experiencing extreme levels of anxiety, mm-hmm. I think we need to ask ourselves if this mental load feels like it is crippling your life, is there support that you need to receive for that anxiety? Because I, the thing I hate the most when someone has, when I'm worried about something is someone being like, yeah, just stop worrying about it. It's like, well, great. If I could stop worrying about it, I would. Thank you. That's helpful. But I do think that unacknowledged and untreated anxiety can at times lead women to feel as though they're carrying an uneven load when objectively their husbands might be carrying an equal or greater load in an effort to mitigate their spouse's anxiety. And I just really think that we give our children and our spouses a really great gift when we seek support and advice from mental health professionals if we're experiencing debilitating anxiety or depression symptoms, because there are things that we cannot handle on our own, you know, and we need that support. So I don't know. Breaking the stigma of therapy. Get some good therapy, people. <laughs> For real. For real. Yes. I, and I love the way yeah. you play. I, I mean, I love the way you play that card of saying, 
it's actually such a gift yes. to your spouse and your loved ones mm-hmm. when you take care of yourself well and mm-hmm. going to therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I think that's so brilliant. And as I think about some of the things that this article has kind of spurred up in me, and it really helped me articulate times when I'm like, I'm just tired. You know, my, my spouse would say, you know, what's, what's happening. I don't know what's going on. You know, my, my MO is to retreat, get mm-hmm. further into sort of like, put your head down, work hard, get through it. You know, that's kind mm-hmm. of my MO. And it's really unfair to him because he wants to help carry the load and he doesn't right. know how to help me. And I'm sort of like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just so tired. And now I, have been working to explain more of this. I do a lot of anticipating. I have four kids, right? And someone's always hungry or tired or <laughs> there something hurts or I don't know, they need something literally every minute of the day. And so I spend a lot of preemptive energy trying to prepare for mm-hmm. going somewhere. I got to pack extra clothes. I got to pack, you know, a snack. I got to have water in the car or, mm-hmm. or you know, all the things, right? And part of the struggle for, for us that we have kind of realized now is that in those moments, he steps up and he tries to help. He tries to fix the problem. Right. So he's like, uh-huh. okay, I'll go get, you know, take out and you won't have to cook dinner tonight. And I would actually be angry about that. <laughs> okay. And I'll tell you why I, I get angry about that. I get angry because I'm like, well, you son of a gun, you should have told me that this morning because (laughs) I've been thinking about it all freaking day. (laughs) Okay. But in his mind, he doesn't know I've been thinking about it all day. He just is saying, look, I'm, I'm taking away. You haven't cooked dinner. You don't have to go. What a nice thing. Yeah. Right. And both of us are right. And he is correct in wanting to help. And so this, this has really helped me realize that I need to tell him those things ahead of time, because it's not in his wiring to be thinking about what we're cooking for dinner tonight. That's Mm -hmm. not his role. That hasn't been his role, our whole, our whole relationship. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it just has been illuminating some various ways that we're both trying to help Mm -hmm. in that scenario. And so it's just being open about communicating about those things and what's going on, on, on our inner brains, our inner lives. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I think it, it is important. I think in every relationship too, I love what you were saying there. So you both feel like you're doing the right thing and you both are in your way. Yeah. There's a communication gap in what's actually helpful. The funny, it's funny that you brought up cooking. Um, Cause that is probably the area in my marriage that has changed that, that burn load for me the most, uh, because I despise thinking about food prepping food, cooking food, and cleaning up after food. I I don't like any part of it. Um, And one thing that really, really shifted the kind of balance in our home is that we discovered that my husband actually really, really loves to cook. And he's incredible at it. Um, He's an Enneagram 7. I told you I like personality type stuff. Uh And one way, so in the Enneagram, 7s really like to be like, something has to be exciting right now. um, And I need to be a part of it. Um, And so one way that he can infuse excitement and adventure in his day is researching and planning and shopping and cooking extravagant meals. He loves it. And it like, 
makes he's also like he wants to he wants to live in the mountains or at the ocean and we live in indiana oh, so yeah. this oh, yeah. is like one way that he like brings he loves thinking about what he's going to cook and i don't want to spend a minute thinking about food Amen. and so when we realize that it's like i have not thought about what our family is going to eat in like a couple years probably yeah, yeah. and if i have to we're definitely getting takeout yeah. like or eating like spaghetti because i could eat spaghetti every night like yeah. something boring and he doesn't want boring meals so it's just on him and that's one thing that i have like when i realized i haven't thought about food in ages like that was such a gift that he gave to me and i know that won't work in every family because not every spouse is going to like really love it but it does, but I have to let go of the fact that it's actually maybe more expensive for us to eat at home with him cooking than it is eating out because oh, yeah. he wants to go to fresh time and buy things, uh, buy fancy things. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm like, okay, it, it, it's this, the mental health of it's our home off. is more important. And then for us, I do the finances. To be fair, I always have. Um, so I was doing meals and finances for many, many years. But since he took the workload of meals, I do finances. He hates thinking about money. I don't love it, but I like it a lot more than meals. So I consider that like a win in my book. And he doesn't really have to think about the money. I do all the bill paying, all the things that go on in that realm. I do our taxes, all that stuff. If anybody's looking for a cool tool, I use YNAB. I'm a horrible money person, but YNAB helps. Awesome. Yeah. So you can be a horrible money person and still be uh, the person charge of money for finances. your partnership. <laughs> right. You know, and so. I wouldn't say horrible. I'm exaggerating, but yeah, I think that was big for us was to like lean into, and it took us time to like yeah. grow up and realize, oh, this works for me. Um, and that yeah. was just a real, a really positive thing. I think for, um, for us, what, what he, what he does now is he's in charge of breakfast and mm -hmm. he is a menu person. So the kids have the same breakfast um, every Monday and they have the same breakfast every Tuesday. So he has a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday breakfast. My job is just to make sure the food is there and he cooks breakfast and I get to wake up and not have to think about food for breakfast. So right. it's like these little things that you can start to kind of, mm -hmm. um, hand off some of it. And mm -hmm. the other thing you said, and then I know we've got to wrap up because, and we could talk forever about this and I love <laughs> it. I love everything. I love all of it is I have to let go of, I do everything and start realizing, yeah, there are other things he does. Right. So yeah. what does your, you want to mm -hmm. say right away, well, you don't know nothing, but <laughs> you really have to pause to say, what is he doing? And then maybe what am I allowing him to do? Right. Absolutely. And here's one thing I would add on top of that is what are the things that you're doing that are reasonably his responsibility? Mm. Like, there are, I think there are so many things in a partnership that women just do. And it's like, you know what, like if he needs to make a dentist appointment, uh, when, apart from when I'm going with the kids, he's able to call the dentist yeah. or if the internet goes out, he can stand on hold with Comcast for 45 minutes. I don't want to do it either, but there are things that are reasonable where it's like, why, why do I instinctively do this? And he may expect it because that's what you've been doing for the last yeah. 20 years or whatever, right. but it's reasonable to ask to know that. I, I mean, that's just what I, I just kind of stopped doing things, <laughs> you know, it's like, you can do that. Um, and he does, and it's fine. And we're both happier.
before. Because of it. You know? Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. So Bria, I, I know we could we're going to talk about the foster care stuff and we'll probably dig into all these other things that we both are really excited about, but I want to thank you for being here. It was such an, it was really such an enlightening conversation. And I'm going to put a link to the article on the show notes here. And I just appreciate you so much for your vulnerability, your wisdom here. I love that. I felt honored to be asked. So thank you so much. Y'all, you can follow me on uh, Facebook, MWM with Kids. Uh, my website is makewordsmatterforgood.com. And thanks for listening. I appreciate all of you who listen each week. And I can't wait to have Bria back uh, to talk about more things. So until next time, see you later. <laughs>